I, I would be happy to have that pressure somehow because because it's not easy <laughs> and I'm yeah. proud to be in this family because uh, and proud that they give me this pressure because um, I'm a representation of, uh, of, of my whole family, right? Yeah. Hi, this is Shlomo Sosin, the host of the Teenage Impact Podcast where we share stories, tips, specific strategies on how you as a teenage kid can overcome any adversity in life so you can make an impact. So whether you have mental health challenges like anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, or maybe you're being abused or you're being bullied or you're having challenges in school or, or your relationships, I've interviewed so far over 40 people from around the world on what they've gone through as a teen, how they overcame it, and how you can too. If you haven't done so already, there's a link in the description where I provide a free ebook. It's called The 52 Tips I Wish Someone Told Me in High School. And this is based off of my own perspective, based off of the interviews that I have done. And I focus a lot on mental health, school, finances, relationships, career. So go ahead, check it out. It's only 20 pages long and it's free. If you have a family member or a friend or a f- or a classmate who's in this funk, share the Teenage Impact Podcast with them because it is the best podcast out there for any teen to listen to if they're going through some type of funk and they want to get out of it. We share different stories and tips on how they can get out of their funk. Today's podcast guest is Nelson Jiajun NG. He is a student at the University of Southampton in the UK. He was born and raised in Malaysia, where he had to learn and perfect his English skills when he moved to the UK. He's also the founder of Project Ed, which is a nonprofit organization led by students. And what the nonprofit organization does, it helps tackle education inequality in Malaysia by helping and empowering underprivileged students in Malaysia to tackle their education dreams. He is ambitious. He has a passion for entrepreneurship and technology. In today's episode, he, we're going to talk about some of the struggles he went through as an only child, how he overcame it, and also some of the struggles he went through from moving from Malaysia to a brand new country thousands of miles away and how he made the best of it. So give it up for Nelson Gia John NG. So much. We have Nelson tuning in from UK, man. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Thank you so much for inviting me. No problem. He just came back from class, and you know, <laughs> pretty excited. But I know you you moved to UK a while back for college. But how is Malaysia like? How's your life in well, Malaysia? Right. I mean, Malaysia is a perfect place. I mean, I love Malaysia. Well, I'm a big advocate of. Uh, of uh, of Malaysia and well when I'm in the, in the UK I keep uh, promoting Malaysia to other friends um, <laughs> so Malaysia is a in terms of um, in terms of culture wise Malaysia is very rich in culture and we have um, three main um, races Malay Chinese and English and that's why we speak different languages for me um, as a Malaysian Chinese I speak uh, uh, English well I mean I learn I learn English uh, Malay and also uh, Mandarin. So it's very diverse in, in, in this sense. And that's why it's amazing because we, because of this huge diversity, we have incredible food, we have incredible uh, arts and culture, and we have incredible people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
That's great. And what what made you come to the UK? Well, yeah, I mean, I I didn't choose to go to the UK, but rather because of an opportunity, I would put it this way, um, because I've received a scholarship to um, a national scholarship, a government scholarship to actually pursue my uh, tertiary education at at the UK, at the University of Southampton in the UK. Yeah. Okay. And you mentioned to me when we were talking uh, that you're the only child, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, there was a lot of hardships with being the only child. You're not not the only, you're the only child, but also right now you're the only grandchild too. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm sure there's, especially in the Asian culture, because I'm from the Asian culture too, there's a lot of pressure Mm -hmm. on you. You don't want to be a disappointment. So t- tell us growing up how that was like and how much pressure you put on yourself. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, I am I'm the only parental grandchild. I mean, especially for Chinese, it's pretty, um, it's pretty unique and rare in some sense. I think growing up as, a, as the precious one seems to have a lot of uh, stress. Well, I, I put it in this way. There are goods and bads for sure. Uh, the good ones is that, well, I get all the attention. I get to learn what I want to learn. There are, well, it comes benefits. So the benefits are, you know, um, I get to learn piano, taekwondo, and also um, drawing, for example. But then because of that, it comes, um, it comes stress. Well, which is the, not a good one because uh, my family actually put a lot of um, emphasis on me, you know, being, uh, being the proud one for them uh so big because of that i got to well i mean i i will have to put whole effort you know while i'm learning all these stuff and i have to make sure that i'm the one of the best or you know always be the best in terms of uh in terms of uh you know all my learnings and especially in my class as well you know i always i will i would always try to be the uh you know the best in the class academically and also um sports wise as well trying to play um you know trying to be more competitive in sports uh, at sports sorry um yeah and that's why i think goods and bets but i really really appreciate what i gain you know when i'm uh, when i was young i didn't know how to appreciate that because you know like being a child <laughs> you'll be like oh come on when i'm when I'm, when it, when is it gonna stop i mean i'm gonna have to learn so much but yeah. then when you when you when you grow up you you realize that hey actually it's i'm grateful for that but i would also want to encourage parents if possible to ask uh their children or their child to if they are interested in that right i mean that's a, that's a difference mm. so if you force someone to learn or if you let someone to learn it uh, willingly that the whole outcome will be different so for my case, um, I wouldn't say I'm being forced to learn piano, but I was sort of being tricked to play piano when I was um, five years old because uh, my parents just asked me during my birthday, do you want a, do you want a piano as birthday present? So, <laughs> so I was like, oh yeah, sure. Why not? You know, being a five-year-old kid, right? So ever since then, I got to learn piano. That's so, amazing. <laughs> yeah, and- so... Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure like if, if there's an only child listening to this and they're going through the same, you know, I wouldn't call it challenges, but, you know, same situation where the parents are like, oh, do this, do that. What would you tell them to alleviate that pressure 
from themselves. Right. Do well right. in well, everything. Oh, right. For sure. I mean, that's very important. Um, to be fair, how well, my suggestion would be try to know if you really like it. You know, I mean, come on. If, if, even if you are, you, uh, you are a child, uh, you will sort of know if you really love it uh, while you are doing that stuff. For example, when I was uh, doing playing uh, doing taekwondo, learning taekwondo, I was happy. Like I was super happy. I was super excited for that, uh, for all the classes. But then for piano, well, you know, <laughs> um, sometimes, but sometimes not. So, and this this is a this is a pretty good indicator to see actually if you like it, and. I'm a big advocate of, you know, do things that you like. And because once you do the things that you like, you'll do it the best. And yeah, that's why even you, I, as a child, you have to make sure that you have this mutual respect between you and your parents and make sure that your sound is being count. Try to t tell your parents that, hey, I love this and I probably don't like this. But then based on mute, well, what I mean is that you don't go to that. I don't want to learn this but rather justify to them and tell them, hey, I, I would love to learn more of this rather than, I would love, to, uh, for example, I would love, love to go for more uh, taekwondo sessions than piano sessions. So from there, you try to have a chat with your parents and make sure that uh, both of you come to an agreement aligned to what you and their uh, align, uh, what's it called? Vision, right? So mm -hmm. with, from there, then you guys, in some way, you actually elevate your, uh, your stress because you get to do what you want and they get to elevate their stress on putting on you and making sure both parties are cool. Yeah. Open communication is important. Definitely. Yes, definitely. And did, did you have that with your parents or? Well, yes. Um, I was kind of like a rebellious uh, kid. <laughs> so, I mean, I didn't, uh, I, I, I set a pretty bad example. I wasn't uh, able to communicate nicely with them, but I did communicate in a kind of, you know, I remember it was not a good, nice way. Uh, I uh, I threw tantrum and say, "Oh, I don't want to go for. Uh, I didn't want to go for um piano lessons and whatnot." Until when I'm uh when I'm old enough that I can reflect, or I reflect back, I realize that this mm. not this is not really a good way. Well, although I convey my message, but that may not be the best way to go forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It seemed like you're a troublemaker. Were you a troublemaker? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, sort of, sort of. Uh -huh. I, I will. I think that's a compliment for me. <laughs> uh -huh. Gotcha. And now you're you got a scholarship to go to the university at, at the UK. What are you studying? Uh, well, I'm I, I'm doing aerospace engineering. Uh -huh. um, well, which is something really really rare in Malaysia for a Malaysian student, because um, pretty much we don't really have a have an established aerospace field in Malaysia. Yeah, again, that comes, uh, that comes to my passion. And, uh, you know, I'm really interested in aircrafts. That's why I, I chose to study aerospace engineering. Yeah. When you first moved to the UK, you knew English, but you said you had some trouble doing it. What kind of trouble was that? Right. Um, well, I mean, although I learned English when I was young, uh, since young, sorry, um, since five or six years, um, formal education, but uh, I didn't really have the chance to practice English because um, two reasons. One, I'm, I'm from this uh, rural area of Malaysia 
where people don't really speak English. Most of our language com uh, communication medium will be uh, Mandarin or Malay. That's why um, I don't really get a chance to practice while I'm in school, uh, while I was in school. So that's one. And second thing is that we have this mentality, right? And in, in, in these rural areas in Malaysia, people will think you are slightly higher, um, you know, like in a higher hierarchy than them when you yeah. speak English. Like they feel, oh, why, why are you being so pretentious, you know, trying to be um, slightly higher rank, you know, being so high class, you know. So yeah, that's why um, I didn't get to practice a lot because I don't want to get... Um, look at uh, in, in in a different way so that's why i you know i chose to speak i chose to compromise and uh -huh. speak um, malay and uh in, in, in mandarin until um until i study my a levels in kl kuala lumpur the capital of um malaysia with that i only had the opportunity to practice my english the conversational english i was perfectly all right with uh, my written english and also my oral english but then I didn't get to practice my uh, conversational English, so I can't really speak that well. I couldn't speak that well when I was uh, when I first enrolled into my A levels, uh, my mm -hmm. um, well pre university program, my high school basically. Then, throughout that two years and and in the in 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 KL in Kuala Lumpur, I got to practice that a lot. And while well, I was like, oh wow, I I now have to speak English. Like I didn't, I wasn't aware how much yeah. different it was like i was like okay you know i get uh -huh. i get an a for my english so well should be fine until uh -huh. i um i arrived kl kuala lumpur and i was like oh, okay that's a lot of difference in terms uh -huh. of how you convey your message right it's very yeah. important for us to convey and make sure people understand what we're trying to convey that's how i realized how important english was and i started to practice and well should be fine now <laughs> my english is should be all right <laughs> how, how long were you struggling for or speaking yeah. right well i mean until i realized it was about six months you know okay. like really really put in effort it's probably one and a half year that uh -huh. i actually well and i'm still continuing learning if i were to uh if i were to put it this way i'm well i'm consistently learning still but then i i realized this after about a half and a half year half and a year uh, and well about yeah six months after i enrolled to the a levels and i was like oh okay I probably need to take my initiative to learn this and put in effort, yeah, to actually get this mm -hmm. really, really good, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so you took initiative to get really, really good. What were some of your insecurities while learning and being in college at the UK? Oh, of course. Well, coming to the UK, well, first of all, it's another, it's another whole world, right? Whole new world. So I took a twelve hours flight so so it's literally another part of the world and with that people have different accent like it's very diverse you meet people from all from all around the world and with that well in terms of english conversational uh practicing my conversational english wise hmm, well i feel that i didn't dare to step that first step uh when i when i first arrived because I was like, oh, you know, they, they're going to be good. Will, mm -hmm. they, will they actually, you know, laugh at my accent? Will they actually or judge my accent somehow? Yeah, I was a bit shy in the first place and making, just to protect myself somehow uh -huh. with this mentality. But then um, later did I know that I really need to come out of this comfort zone and making sure that I put in effort 
to to talk to people mm-hmm. and making sure I came to this realization that it's not all about the accent, but rather it's all about the message that you convey. As long as they can understand, that's, that's perfectly that's fine. True. What yeah. kind of accent do you have? Yeah, it's a change of mindset. To be fair, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Um, from that change of mindset, it literally opened up my world. I yeah, I would talk to people, no matter how um how broken my accent was, and and I would try to talk to people. Firstly, in terms in in those topics that I'm I'm more confident with, like more passionate, because that's how I build my confidence, uh-huh. and slowly go to those which it's out of my comfort zone. Uh-huh. Like some some very weird topics, probably something re- regarding um well philosophy, you know, history, English history, and other stuff which I totally don't understand. That's out of my comfort zone. Yeah. So yeah, that's how I actually learned, and I purposefully learn it because I know that's how I can improve. Yeah. What were some of the things you did? I mean, did you approach strangers? You know, you you said you went outside your comfort zone. What exactly right. did you do? Right, right. Um, oh, absolutely. Um, well, I was pretty fortunate that I got to travel around. Um, you know, when I'm free, I take the chance to go for a solo trip. I most, I most, uh, I would prefer to do solo trip when I go, um, uh, when I go, you know, go for traveling rather than having friends. Why? Not because that I want to, but uh, I, well, I mean, I tend to do that because that's how I can improve my conversational English because I would force myself to talk to other people because if I were to get the direction right, if I were to uh, you know, order food and whatnot, I need to talk and that's how um, I can practice. And with that, when I go out, I would, well, I mean, I would start a conversation with strangers. Let's say, for example, um, when I'm in, uh, in a train. So while well, rather than just looking at my phone, scrolling Facebook, um, Instagram, I would, um, you know, talk to random strangers who are sitting next to me or opposite of me. From there, I get to practice and learn, learn their perspectives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it actually changed my mindset a lot. It was tough in mm-hmm. the first place, like for the first trial. But then after the first trial, you think that, hey, it's actually not that difficult. You know, it's so true what you're doing that you have to get outside your comfort zone because I was, just, I was the same way because... Um, I mean, English was not my first language. I learned English, I think, at right. four or five years old. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I've, I've been learning, I've been speaking English since I was five. But I had this insecurity because I was in speech class. I was in this class where it was uh, four students that English was the second language. Every time I gave a speech, you know, people would smile, laugh, and people would make fun of me for my accent and how I spoke. I developed this right. insecurity up until college. And then when I, I wouldn't even talk to people on the phone because I was insecure about how I spoke. But up until I think at college, I started speaking to people. And then post-college, I started giving spe- speeches. I started going to networking events and talking to these strangers, getting outside my comfort zone. And that was so easy. And right. y- you, you bring up a great point because I see people from other countries that come to the United States, try to speak English. And I taught, and they're like, oh, I don't want to speak. You know, how's my English? I tell them, hey, it, your English is fine. Just keep, keep on speaking. The more you speak, the better you'll get. And people are not going to judge you. If they do judge you, definitely. then let them judge you. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, that's a really, really good point. I love what you're saying. Um, if, 
if they judge you, let them judge you. Yeah. And it's all about you that uh-huh. matters and not about other people's judgment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're also a founder of an organization called Project Ed, correct? Yep. Oh, I- that's perfect. I mean, I'm glad that you get the name correctly. A lot of people will call it Project ED, Project. Uh-huh. Yeah. So you got yeah. it correctly. It's Project Ed. Yeah. And what's it about? Project Ed is a um, student-led nonprofit organization, which is based in Malaysia, which uh, we empower underprivileged students to pursue their tertiary education dreams through providing scholarships and um, digital mentorship and also educational workshops. So what we do is that we actually, our scholarship part, we call it, uh, we have this first and only, I would arguably say it first and only uh, knowledge, uh, first and only student-led scholarship fund in Malaysia. We call it Knowledge is Free Scholarship Program. What we do is that we have a lot of um, scholars and students. Um, what I mean by scholars is that scholarship recipients and also students uh, who are in university, they actually contribute 45 ringgit Malaysia, which is about 10 10 USD dollars um, a month to this to this scholarship fund, and with that amount of money, we um, well we have about 70 scholars coming in, uh, like 70 contributors right now. So with that amount of money, we cont- we support and provide scholarship for students to pursue their tertiary education at local public universities in Malaysia. Wow! And yeah, that's the scholarship part. For now, we have eight scholars with us. And we are in, in, intending to expand to 20 scholars by the end of this year. And that's part of it, the financial assistance. And for the non-financial assistance, which is we call it knowledge assistance, we run workshops in rural areas in Malaysia, uh, with, especially in the secondary schools, so that um, we share information about the potential pathways for, for them after secondary schools to tertiary education. So that's one. And yeah, with that, we, all, we, are, we have reached out to more than 3,000 students right now, uh, ever since uh, 2017, well, uh, when, when we started. That's been a really, really privilege for me to actually work with all these students. And also, it's, a, it's, all, it's all a student-led organization. So they are all students like us. Um, like um, all, all my teammates are students as well. And we run it voluntarily uh, because we believe that uh, knowledge is free, education is expensive. And we want to share our experience and our, uh, our knowledge to others in terms of and see, empower them to actually achieve their best, achieve their potential. Yeah. That's great that you're doing this because most people go to school and they just think of, you know, the education portion, but they don't think about giving back to their home country. Mm-hmm. Um, and what drove you to do that? Very funny. Um, do you want to listen to the real truth? Sure. <laughs> so, so, so the real truth is that um, uh, my first intention was, hey, you know, I've scholarship gave me some uh, allowance. Uh-huh. And when I look into my bank account, I was like, you know what? Um, well, I can't, I can't deal with so much of money. So what can I do with, do with the money? So I was <laughs> like, um, what can I do? So my first thought was, you know, if I were to contribute a little bit, a, a little amount of my, um, a, a small amount of my scholarship uh, allowance every month to, to do something good, that'll be perfect. So with that, coming from a rural area uh, in Malaysia, I thought, you know, if I can actually create a scholarship and I was once in this situation where I can't continue to pursue my tertiary education without scholarships. So yeah, I sort of dropped out after my A-levels because I wasn't able to, uh, I didn't get any scholarship and 
I was like, although I have offers from a uh, university in the UK and US, I was like, okay, um, probably I would just drop out if I don't get any scholarships because I can't go for uh, tertiary education without scholarships. I can't mm-hmm. afford this um, uh, huge amount of um, tuition fee. And because the course that I want to study, I want to study aerospace engineering, which is pretty rare in Malaysia and we don't really have uh, such costs in Malaysia. So I have to pursue my tertiary education overseas. And with that, I'm so fortunate that I got a scholarship and I know it's time for me to go uh, give back to the community and to the students that um, uh, once I, I was once in the ashes, you know. So yeah, that's why I started this, um, this initiative. It started only as a you know, non-profit social project, which expanded and we thought it's, uh, it should be legalized and therefore we, start, uh, we registered as an NGO, yeah. Man, that's that's really powerful, man. You you come into a uh, different country. Uh, a lot of people are worried about money. You know, money is a a big factor, especially um, especially when you're in college. In college, you don't have that much money. But you know, there's a a mentality: the more you the give, the more you get back. And mm, right definitely. now, you know, whatever money you get, even though it might not be a lot, you. Uh, mm-hmm. The many successful people believe, hey, you know, 10% or 5%, whatever you can give, you give back to others. And definitely, it's a little bit like an abundant uh, mindset too. There's a lot of money to spread around other people too. Definitely. Well, I totally agree with what you're saying. Um, I personally believe that everyone's more effort is collectively powerful to make mm-hmm. a change to the community. And that's how we run Project Ed. And that's how we actually make sure all our contributors are aware of this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Were you raised in the village? Because I, I read somewhere that you were also raised in some of the villages in Malaysia. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, I'm, born in, I'm born and raised in this place called Pontian. Okay. It's a fishing village in, uh, in somewhere south to, to Kuala Lumpur, our capital. And yeah, and I was... I, well, I, I have a very nice and cool childhood when I was young. Uh, when, I'm in, uh, when I'm in that village, I got to, you know, catch fish. I got to, uh, you know, um, catch spiders and mm. um, play with them. I got to play um, marbles and, yeah, all these kind of traditional games and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm. When you came to UK, did you carry that pressure of, hey, you want... Um, you can't be a disappointment to your parents or your family. Did you carry that pressure on you? Right, right. That's a very good point. Yes, I do. Um, especially to my family because I'm the only child uh, who got into, I mean, I'm, I'm the only one in my family who got into university. Like I'm a first gen, I'm a first gen college student. So um, because of that, uh, I put kind of a lot of pressure to make sure that um, I get good grades. You know, I'm making sure that um, I achieved the best that I can achieve in university uh, in terms of uh, academic, in terms of um, involvement in, the, uh, in extracurricular activities. So just to make sure that I do my best. So yeah, I do have, um, I wouldn't say pressure, um, even, well, I would put it as pressure, but then I, I would be happy to have that pressure somehow because, because it's not easy <laughs> and I'm yeah. proud to be in this family because uh, and proud that they give me this pressure because um, I'm a representation of, uh, of of my whole family, right? Yeah. Yeah. So pressure, it's, so you're saying pressure is good. <laughs> right. I mean, it 
again, it's how you look at the, mm-hmm. look at things, right? It's all about the mindset. Perspective, so, absolutely. Yeah, it's the perspective. So, it's, uh, right. So, well, probably be- before this, I wouldn't think so because I would be like, oh, come on, you know, I have to do my best. I have to, you know, make sure that I'm the best in, 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 in this university uh, in terms of academic, in terms of actually curricular activities. But then changing a mindset means that well, I, I will do my best and make my family proud because they can't do that. Let me do that for them, right? So with that, I actually have this positive mindset and making sure that what I do is what my family will be proud of, that I make sure I do the best rather, mm-hmm. than, rather, than, um, rather than having this mindset of um, my family pressured me to be the best. I think that I should be the best so that I can be a prop uh, family member of my family. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's a change of mindset, but it's more powerful and more positive in this way. Mm-hmm. So for you, you're changing the mindset of pressure saying, Hey, make it good pressure, not negative pressure. Yes. Um, and to ch- change your language saying, Oh, I have to do this versus I get to do this. You know, I get to do this for me. I yes. You should be me. proud. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you Absolutely. should be proud that you you get you get a chance to pursue tertiary education in the overseas. Mm-hmm. I mean, for for my case, because not a lot of people actually get to do that. So you you get you should be proud and make sure that hey, mm-hmm. you know, I'm proud. So I have to make sure I do my best. Right. And w- what do you do when you have when you start feeling negative pressure? Oh well, I mean, that's very true. That's a very good uh good question. A lot of time, it's 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 trying to get a balance, right? So mm-hmm. when you you you. You, when you have positive, sometimes something strikes into it uh, to you, then you'll be negative. You, you just want to be more positive at the positive end, right? Uh, more inclined to the positive end. So for me, my way to de-stress uh, and get rid of those negative pressures is to play, blas- to play basketball. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a huge basketball fan. Uh, yeah. I'm a Kobe Bryant fan. Uh, so, so yeah, I've played basketball since I'm re- I'm, uh, I was young. Yeah, I feel that when I'm, whenever I'm stressed, I would just go, um, go to court. Uh, I mean, in the UK, I would just book a court. Well, when I was in Malaysia, there's a basketball court behind my house. Well, it's not mine. I mean, it's a public basketball court. So I, I'll just go there and, you know, shoot some shots and try to reflect, trying to sweat and get rid of them. Uh, uh, thinking that, you know, those negative uh, pressures and those negative thoughts will actually leave my body with the, with the sweat. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And after that, I'll just go back and take a good bath, good shower, and you know try to like try to enjoy that shower. And after that, boom, it's a refresh. Uh, it's a refresh Nelson. So you know, like it's a refresh me. So I get to refresh and try to think more positive and think of solutions. How am I gonna you know deal with the stress? Absolutely, yeah. that brings up a good point because we all need certain ways to deal with our stress. Definitely. Do you have any last tips for someone that just came to another country, adjusting to the culture, learning the language, trying to live up to their family's expectations? For sure. Well, well, I, I have one. Well, I mean, definitely I have one really, really uh, point that I would love to share with everyone is to be open. You know, like um, being someone who comes from uh, another country to, you know, settle down in, in, uh, in, in a foreign country 
for a few uh for a few years well for studies or for good you need to be open right especially from an asia especially from you know different continents where cultures are very very different let's say asia to uh you know to a uk which is a caucasian countries so which is a very different uh culture so for me is to be open right you need to make sure that you're so open that oh what i mean by open is that you you need to understand you, you need to understand what are they trying to do and you need to be able to respect them but then at the same time not being judgmental mm-hmm. right you, you should be open that oh okay i i can accept that you do this but i is it is it the same to my value if it is not well i i probably won't do but i won't judge you if you do it it's just that i won't do it right so that's that's mm-hmm. that's the that's what i mean by open and you need to open that. You can't close it, like being very judgmental. Oh, no, 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 no. This is not good. This is, this is bad. So this actually closes down your opportunity to learn, you know, to actually learn other perspectives. So you should be open, but at the same time, uphold your own principles and values, right? So yeah, that's the thing. And well, that applies to um, what you do in life as well. You know, when you meet different people, uh, from diverse background, when you strike conversations with random people, when they talk about something which you don't really agree, but mm-hmm. then you should be open to listen whatever they have, process and share your thoughts, rather than hey, we should stop this conversation right now because I don't want to listen to this. That's a very close mindset. You should be very open to that, accept them, and be respectful. And also later on, you know, trying to share your points with them. They might be. They'll be more than uh happy to accept what you're trying to talk, what what you're trying to share to share those ex- uh, perspectives that you have because different people have different perspectives, uh coming from their background, right? So yeah, I would totally recommend everyone to suggest everyone to be more open, but uphold your but definitely to uphold your personal values. Yeah. Great point. Great point. And Nelson, where can people find you? Well, yeah, I mean. You can always reach out to me via LinkedIn. Uh, uh, I'm pretty sure you will share it on the, you know, on the notes, yes. right? So, or you can uh, find me on Instagram as well. Uh, my Instagram account will be um, now I I am I am underscore Nelson and NJJ. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure you will put it on the under. Yeah, I'll put it on the description. Awesome. Yeah, for Thank sure. You. Thank you, Nelson, for taking the time to uh, do this interview. Um, I know I reached out to you on LinkedIn. And we got to know each other a little bit more. And I'm yep. wishing you the best of luck. And Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Yeah. If you're ever in Philly, let me know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. Nelson was a, a very unique interview because this is the first time I'm interviewing someone from a different country. And uh, me, I can really relate to Nelson. Although he did come from a different country and I didn't come from a different country. My parents did. I was very insecure about speaking English. And so was he. What Nelson said really stuck to me. He said he, when he came in his first year, he said he can either stick to his comfort zone or he can step outside his comfort zone. He chose to step outside his comfort zone, talk to as many people so he can become a more confident English speaker. He took solo trips. He talked to as many people as possible. And soon enough, even though his English is not perfect, he's continuously learning but he's not insecure about how he speaks um, with his English. And he d- might not have the perfect pronunciation. He might not have the perfect grammar like me because, you know, I make a lot of grammatical errors. 
he, uh, he's not in his comfort zone. He talks to as many people as possible to be confident as possible. And he even founded a nonprofit organization where he's giving back to his home country. He's very grateful for the opportunity that he was provided. And he said he has some extra money, which that's why his nonprofit organization started so he can give back to the extra money he does have and give it back and making sure that the underprivileged students in his country can get the education opportunity over here. So I'm really, truly grateful for Nelson and the knowledge he provided because I'm sure a lot of people from other countries that want to speak English or want to speak the native language of the country they're, they are in, he's providing that, hey, you shouldn't care about what other people think. If people judge you, let them judge you. Thank you, Nelson. And if you haven't done so already, if you're not following me on Instagram, my handle name is at Shlomo Salson. Go ahead and follow me. I provide uh, phenomenal tips on how you can overcome some of your challenges as a teen. I've had a lot of teenagers message me telling me, saying how much of an inspiration I am and even asking me for advice. You know, I'm not a guru. I'm not a mental health expert, but what I can do is share some of my experiences and insight with you. Go ahead, follow my Instagram handle, at Shlomo Salson, and until next time, peace.